from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. It's Fresh Fridays here on the G and Ursula Show. I'm telling you, the 9 o'clock hour was a doozy. It was fun. I don't know. Something about today has been a real good vibe. Good morning, Ursula. Good morning, G. Happy Fresh Friday to all of you. Still ahead, we are going to be joined by our friend Michael Medved, and we're just going to get right to it. What's new at 10? As you know, the Iowa caucuses were this week, and Donald Trump won in a basic landslide. And the New Hampshire caucus, New Hampshire's next, and it appears that the GOP debates are over. Nikki Haley has said, you know what? As long as Donald Trump's not there, I'm not going to be there either. Michael Medved from the Michael Medved Show joins us right now. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Ursula. Okay, so let's talk about Nikki Haley's decision to not do any debates unless Donald Trump is there. Well, because she has nothing to do but lose if Donald Trump isn't there. Because really, what she is trying to do, and I think has done very effectively, is to make this a race effectively between herself and President Trump. So it doesn't do her any good to be up there bickering with Ron DeSantis, who has no real path, it it seems, at this point to the presidency. He's look at the polling. He's polling below five percent in New Hampshire. So uh, basically, if there is going to be somebody as a Republican nominee who I ardently hope will happen, uh, if someone other than Trump then uh, it's going to have to involve a serious confrontation between Nikki Haley and the former president. If I were forced to vote for one of the three, Trump, DeSantis, and Nikki Haley, my vote, no question about it, would go to Nikki Haley. With that being said, uh, Nikki Haley, and these are some of the things that, by the way, this is old, this way it used to be, where things that someone would say that I don't agree with that makes me cringe doesn't mean I don't like the person. But Nikki Haley, for some reason, she keeps missing layups. These are layups that she's missing. You always laugh at me, but I got one for you. She appeared at a uh, CNN town hall where she was asked to clarify her comments on racism in America. Listen to this, Michael. You said that America has, quote, never been a racist country. When you look at, you know, the Declaration of Independence, it was that, you know, men are created equal. But what I look at it as is I was a brown girl that grew up in a small rural town. We had plenty of racism that we had to deal with. But my parents never said we lived in a racist country. And I'm so thankful they didn't. Because for every brown and black child out there, if you tell them they live or were born in a racist country, you're immediately telling them they don't have a chance. So, Michael, what, do you, what, what should you tell someone? If I, if I say to my son or daughter, I say, hey, uh, the United States of America uh, was founded on some racist principles, what would you say, Michael? Yeah, look, that uh, there were racist principles that characterized the entire world in 1776. So why, can't Nikki, why, so why can't Nikki get out of her own way and just, bam, knock it out that simple? 
Okay, yeah, as long as you add on to it the point that she made, which I think is an important point, which is that exaggerating racism and saying that we haven't changed since 1776, that we haven't changed since 1863, uh, that's not a useful perspective either. I do think that this is one of those things. If she's going to be a serious candidate for president, if she's going to be the Republican nominee, she has to handle better. She made a complete mess of not being able to say that slavery was the big issue in the Civil War. And that was almost as bad as, not quite, as Trump uh, saying that they could have negotiated an end to that. What are we going to negotiate on secession? Are you going to negotiate on slavery? How do you negotiate on something that is an absolute evil? Great point. But Michael, it's, it's amazing how you're able to just simply just say that. <laughs> well, well done. And th- thank you. But go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I, thank come you. on. I, my my seven year old granddaughter can say it at this point, and that's why. I, again, you, you need to know something about American history to be president of the United States credibly. And one of the things you need to know is that uh, the United States sacrificed enormously. There were 700,000 people who died in the Civil War and who suffered and had their lives dislocated. There were 183,000 former slaves who were liberated and who fought in the Union Army and died at a very high proportion, giving their lives for this country and for what Lincoln called a new birth of freedom. It's a heroic chapter of our history, and uh, I, I don't understand why it should be difficult for people, especially for someone like Nikki Haley, who got rid of the Confederate ba- battle flag on the state capitol grounds and was applauded for it. Great points. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Nikki Haley's path forward, though. So you think Ron DeSantis has no chance. So basically, the the goal is to win the second place. And then in in the event that Donald Trump is convicted of any one of the 91 charges, um, that someone else would be the nominee. So that that second place person would come come in handy. What does Nikki Haley need to do, though, to stand out even further? Well, what she needs to do is win, uh, actually show that she can beat uh, Donald Trump somewhere, and New Hampshire is the place. Because in New Hampshire, with a very high percentage of the electorate registered as unaffiliated, they're not registered as Republicans or Democrats, they're able to vote in the Republican primary. And there are signs of uh, people being very organized, those independents, to vote for Nikki Haley, because there's no uh, chance to to vote for President Biden. One of the foolish mistakes that President Biden made for his own campaign was not having himself on the ballot in New Hampshire. People are going to have to write his name in. And this is no very similar to the situation that happened in 1968 where Lyndon Johnson, he had to write his name in. And he didn't quite lose the primary, but his opponent, Eugene McCarthy, got uh, 43% and uh, ruined the Johnson presidency because that encouraged Robert Kennedy to enter the race uh, right after five days after the New Hampshire primary. And then uh, uh, five days after that, Johnson withdrew as a candidate. Said So... 
again, what happens on the Democratic side here is kind of interesting. They had a big turnout for Dean Phillips, who is a congressman from Minnesota, who's right now the only one other than... uh, uh, Marianne Williamson, who's running against Biden for the Democratic nomination. Hmm. Michael, this week, let's change gears a little bit. This week, a Thurston County judge ruled that Donald Trump will remain on the ballot in Washington. Meanwhile, Donald Trump warned the Supreme Court justices of chaos and bedlam if they uphold Colorado's decision to boot him from their state ballot. And so I, I, I think it's appropriate. Do you know what the term bedlam comes from? I, I don't. I don't. There was a mental hospital for psychiatric patients uh, uh, several hundred years ago in London called Bedlam. And <laughs> basically it indicates nuts. And I think that if you follow the Trump campaign closely and his behavior in the courtroom yesterday on the E. Jean Carroll case, does does he really need this right now? Does this make people more determined to elevate him to the White House? It's uh, well, the answer so far in American history. The answer, yeah, the answer. I, I know the answer for you, Michael, is no. It doesn't make you want to elevate him any further. But it seems like with every passing day, um, the polls still seem to to move in his favor. But here's my question: Do you want to see Donald Trump on the ballot in Washington? I, I think it's inevitable that he will be. I, I don't think that the way to overcome Trump is to try to drive him off the ballot. That really does anger people and takes away the idea of the choice for voters. So, uh, I, I, especially when this is going to be decided by the Supreme Court, and I think the odds are are very large that they will not agree that uh, President Trump has definitively violated the insurrection clause of the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, making him ineligible to serve as president. I'm going to uh, ask you some, about something else that we've actually talked about with you on the show in the past, and that is um, immigration reform. So, as you know, Senate Republicans are working on a bipartisan border deal, but House Republicans plan to basically block it. And Speaker Mike Johnson told reporters this week that he doesn't think right now is the time for comprehensive immigration reform. If not now, when? Well, you're exactly right. And look, I am very grateful that uh, Speaker uh, Mike Johnson was able to help us avoid a government shutdown, partial government shutdown. You know, it was supposed to begin tonight, at midnight tonight. So we don't have to go through that. We We have until March, March 2nd and then March 9th to make sure that we continue to pay salary to our armed services. But it, what is really criminal right now is that people are using the immigration issue to block support for Ukraine, which is a crucial element for uh, uh, American national security. And the idea of allowing Putin to prevail in the Ukraine encourages him to make other attacks that may be on NATO members. Ukraine is not a NATO member. And 
the difficulty that we have in the world right now with the, the uh, Gaza. And by the way, I, I just heard on this Cairo newscast that uh, they're going to be trying to shut down Seattle again. Uh, there's a another let's shut down Seattle for Palestine and how shutting down Seattle uh, and and blocking I-5 and uh, disrupting traffic, how that helps people in uh, Gaza is <laughs> one of those leaps of imagination that I'm yeah. not ready to make. Um, well, I'm going to speak for myself because we brought up that uh, topic and it, there's legislation that would make it a felony to block. And frankly, in my in my and not about just this topic and, and for this issue, but I'm not in favor of blocking freeways. So, yeah the, yeah, the idea of blocking a freeway for any message is is lost on me because it just ends up making me upset about And I'm not thinking about that. I think there are better ways to get that message across. That's and speaking of that of that message, I have on the show today. I'm going to be talking to family members of Israeli hostages. There's still more than a hundred hostages there, and why people are saying cease fire without a demand that the hostages be returned. These are people who have been now held for more than a hundred days. Uh, there are hostages as young as one year old. And it's it's outrageous that there's not the same kind of uh, insistence uh, that the other side, the, the Hamas side, let these people go and go back to their families. We're going to be talking to family members today on the show. Well, uh, we weren't going to uh, bring this particular topic up, but I do want to mention uh, uh, that Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has told the U.S. that he opposes the establishment of a Palestinian state once the conflict in Gaza comes to an end. Um, your thoughts on the, the U.S. position and whether that is helping the cause um, in, in terms of having support from the U.S.? Oh, of course, the support from the U.S. has been essential and uh, remains essential in the international community. And by the way, the U.S. isn't alone in that. There's also been terrific support from Germany and Britain and from other NATO nations for Israel's attempt to defend itself. Look, I, I think that Prime Minister Netanyahu is uh, politically done for. Mm -hmm. He draws some of the blame for the failures that helped lead to the disaster of October 7th. And uh, right now, the the idea of arguing about a future Palestinian state uh, before the war is over, the, the key element right now is to try to settle things and have a viable uh, kind of agreement. And a, a final agreement is, is almost surely going to require some kind of, dare I say, a two-state solution. But it will also have to include as part of that two-state solution uh, some guarantees of security so that attacks like October 7th are not repeated. Right. Um, before you go, a couple of things I want to ask you about, because our, our listeners definitely want to be able to hear you. I know we're going to drive them to your website. But before then, I just want one question about Nikki Haley. What was the real reason why she changed her name? She didn't change her name. 
If you look at her birth certificate, here's another birther issue. Okay. Uh, her name is Namarata Nikki Rawaha. And uh, Nikki was the name she was given with. The other name she changed to Haley, she married a guy named Michael Haley. So she never <laughs> changed her name. She she chose her middle name. I made this point on the air the other day. Mm. Uh, we've had a number of famous American presidents. Woodrow Wilson, his name wasn't Woodrow. His name was Thomas. Woodrow was his middle name. Mm. And uh, Grover Cleveland was Stephen Grover Cleveland. For some reason, he liked the name Grover better than Stephen. So, okay, she took the name uh, Nikki, Mm. which was her middle name, which is an Indian name, by the way, uh, and preferred that to Namarata. Uh, if that's the worst thing she's ever done, I whoa, whoa, what a whoa. candidate. I didn't say that was the worst thing. I was just asking you. Great, uh, great uh, explanation. Appreciate you. Before you go, people want to know how can they listen to Michael Medved. You go to the michaelmedved.com. Okay. And uh, we are streaming. You also become a Medhead member, and that allows you to take it in a podcast form anytime you want, 24 hours a day or live, uh, and noon to 3 as usual. You become a Medved member. Do you get it? Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean- you get a special Mickey Mouse Club ears. Everything's great. <laughs> That's not true. Michael, we appreciate you coming on, brother. Have a great weekend, sir. I appreciate it, my friend, and you too. All right. Always good to have Michael on. Make sure you guys go to michaelmedved.com. Go there, and then you can become a med... Did he he say medhead or medved head? What did he say? Uh, You can have Mickey Mouse ears. Okay. All right, cool. (laughs) Hey, coming up next here on the show, what is the ideal length of... A relaxing vacation. What are your thoughts? Two days, three days, one week, two weeks? We're going to be talking about that next. It is the Geonosis Show. the G and Ursula show. Happy Fresh Friday to all of you. Text us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line 888-973-5476-888-973 Cairo. So the question now is what is the perfect amount of time for vacation? After doing some research, the Washington Post reports that somewhere between a 48-hour Las Vegas bender and a 9-month world cruise lies the optimal number of vacation days. This is actually a 2012 study, but it's making the rounds again. And since it's a fresh Friday, we want to talk about vacation. So according to the research, your health and well-being peaks on the eighth day of a vacation. Right. What say you? Um, at 206, I texted in and said 10 days. And I know some of you all are going to go back and forth. My idea of just a quick trip is no more than three days. I just don't like to be away from home. I love my life. I love living in my house. I love my schedule. I love what I do. So much so that most of the time, Ursula, when I go somewhere else, my life is not better on this getaway than it is at home. So I don't feel guilty for what I'm saying. I know my wife 
suffers because of this, because I don't like to be gone home for, for a long time. Do you she have a does. fear of missing out? Do you have uh, that whole FOMO thing? That n- no, if- no. I just, I, I just, I just love my life. Like That's what, 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 what I'm saying is, is that if I go to this beautiful uh, destination, whether it's Destin, Florida, or this beach and this getaway, I'm saying that my life, going to work every day, coming home, my routine on the couch with my cats. Yeah, that's relaxing. I to you. love that's relaxing to me. Yeah. And so for everyone else, somebody's just trying to get away from it. People are like, ooh, I gotta get away from this weather. Yeah, this weather right now is terrible. Great time to get away, no doubt. Let me get away for about two, three days max. I'm good. I'm coming mm-hmm. home. Three days? No way. Yeah. Uh, my my favorite day of vacation is the day that I am on my way to the airport. Okay. And the, the, the feeling that uh, of that tinge of the blues comes like the day I the day before or the or the day when my vacation is more than halfway over. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh my gosh, How I about only when you have get three there? more. Oh, I love that. that I love that. When you just, first or arriving, get there. Oh my gosh, I love right? that. But, I love that. But would you agree, Ursula? That when you get to there, like whether it's that Airbnb or there is that hotel, don't you believe that that feeling of when you first get there does not get matched the rest of the time? Uh, it depends on what I'm doing and where I'm going and what the weather's doing, et cetera. But no, for me, mm-hmm. it takes me a few days to basically decompress. Okay. Yeah. And... I cannot I cannot do it in three or four days. Like Las Vegas, I love Las Vegas, as you guys know. I need a vacation after Las Vegas. <laughs> There's That's not relaxation. But I love this idea of, if you talk about like a two-week cruise, uh, frankly, I was going to be going on one next month, but I canceled it because I was gone so long. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me, just or being somewhere two or three weeks... To, to have that opportunity, yeah, that's a rare opportunity. But to have that where you can just completely break away from everything, mm-hmm. forget that you have a job, forget just not look at your emails, not look at anything, and just enjoy yourself and immerse yourself in whatever uh, place you're at. That's the best. How does that feel when you come back? When you when you've de- completely detached from everything and you come back to work? Yeah, it's an assault on the all senses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And there's a little bit of depression that sets in, but then I get back into it. Right. The idea that anything over eight days and you're losing out is stupid. It's stupid. I think the reason why there's diminishing returns with longer vacation is because we have so little in this country, right? If I take a 10-day vacation, I know I got five more days for the rest of the year. And, I, you know, we always hear about like, oh, in France, in Germany, et cetera, they get so much. I was just literally looking at a list of all 195 countries and what they offer. Even in tiny nations like Algeria, they get 30 days mandated by the government with 11 paid holidays. Burkina Faso, it's 30 plus 15. Iran, 26 Uh, 26 days of vacation, 27 mandated paid public holidays in the United States. We have zero federally mandated vacation yes, days. True. We have zero mandated federal paid holidays. A lot of companies do pay, but it's not mandated. 
There's only three other countries in the world with zero required vacation days and zero required public holidays, and that is Micronesia, the Marshall Islands, and Kiribati. <laughs> we are fighting over scraps, y'all. What is wrong with this country? Well, so here, here's my question, though, now that you've <laughs> Thank you for that. You gave us a news hook. Yes. But uh, what is your ideal? Ideal. Like where you, oh, man. where you wouldn't go on a rant like that. Two weeks. Two weeks, I think. I mean, because to be able to settle into yes. a place, to settle into a routine there, the problem is with shorter vacations, you got like one day to settle. By the third day, you're like, okay, I'm finally decompressed. I'm actually relaxing now. I'm actually present with my family. And then you're like, oh, I got I got to worry about packing up and leaving in just one or two days here. The stress sets in. If you have two weeks you actually are starting to live in that vacation as opposed to being worried about when it's going to end. I believe deep down, most people listening to this show are, are agreeing with me. And I'll tell you, it's everything, Ursula. It is you like your certain breakfast a certain way. You like your favorite spots to go eat at. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you looked at this place online and it had four and a half stars and it's supposed to be great. So you have this high expectations. Mm -hmm. Lillian has, oh, we got to go check this place out. Oh, we got to go see it. I saw it on Instagram. And you go to the I place. I think the reason you feel that way, though, is because your life is very busy and your schedule is very packed. Yeah. And I, and, and, I, but, and, and, I, and I think that it's hard for you to... Uh, detach from that and be too far away from that because you might miss out on, on, on an opportunity. Here's a test for you. Yeah. And for everyone listening. When you fly back into SeaTac, SEA, Coop, I got you. When you fly back in SEA, are you excited? Because I know I get a feeling about me when I fly in. I am so happy to be home. I would. I bet you, you do too. I do, because I marvel at the beautiful place that we live in. That's what I'm saying. But I, I lament the vacation that I just left. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned this before, too, but it's like that first breath of fresh air that you breathe in when you come back to the Pacific Northwest. Oh, telling y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all get on your phones and you're taking pictures and you can't wait to be home. That's how I know you guys love it here. It's the best place in the world. Coming up next is Scenarios, Ursula. Their sister is cheating, and they need a plan. We do that in Scenarios next. Jitter Show. Scenarios is brought to you by 1-800-DUI-AWAY. It is the Gene Ursel Show. Good morning. By the way, I want to tell you, you guys got me in trouble because my wife was listening to the show. And she says she agrees with Ursula. Yes, and, you and need I, to detach. Yes, and that's ex that's exactly Take responsibility. What she just said. You got I, yourself in trouble. I mean, well, <laughs> well, hold on though. But I want to just say these words, and this comes from Ursula since my wife is listening. Oh. Ursula said <laughs> off the air, "Yeah, but you know what? 
I bet you there was a time that you didn't always like to be home and you like to always be on a go. Yeah, and you created a beautiful life for yourself. Yes. And you want to stay here. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That said, Thanks, Arsenal. you also have a partner who loves escaping, and I'm with her. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so I got to do a better job. Babe, yes. I'm going to do a better job. Here we go, scenarios. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So so a few years ago, my sister was jealous of me because I was happily married, and she desperately wanted someone. So she plotted and eventually caused the end of my marriage. She sent a text to my wife saying that I was cheating on her. I wasn't. Then she told my wife that I had a gambling and drinking problem. I don't. But she believed her, and it caused marriage problems that eventually ended in us being divorced. Now my sister is cheating on her husband. I know because I know the guy that she's cheating with. But my sister doesn't know that I know. I want to tell her husband because he deserves to know the truth. And she deserves uh, it in more ways than one. But then here's the problem. My family will think I'm making it up to get back at her. My sister is going to hate me for it, which is fine. I don't mind if that relationship ends and I never speak to her again. But another problem is that she's so manipulative and devious that she could do something to retaliate. The worst scenario is that her husband may not even believe me, thinking I still hold a grudge. It could all blow up in my face and nobody in my family would talk to me again. I need a plan and help with this. Can you help me set this up to where my family discovers the truth and I get the last laugh? 888-973-5476 is the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Ursula, you have to bet first. Two wrongs don't make a right. So the sister making those false accusations that led to the end of his marriage something's not adding up just in that scenario right there because uh, unless there was something else going on um, I'm I have a hard time believing there was a divorce based on false allegations okay so that's one thing but now he's trying to uh, basically retaliate uh, and he claims that his sister's now having an affair it's just messy and ugly and why don't you just take yourself out of that whole thing? What are you going to gain from it? He, he He's blinded by the, the need for revenge. And I think he needs to just stay out of it. It's already caused enough damage, caused damage to the family, caused damage to the... I would just stay out of it. Uh, Ursula, what I, what I hear from this is a guy who is dealing with, like, a legit narcissist. And manipulator. Mm. And there are people like that who can spin a narrative about other people in their lives that ruins their lives. They poison, you know, family, friends against you. It sounds like that's what he's dealing with in his sister. And so the best thing for you to do is to cut off all contact with her. That's I would Period. definitely do that. Period. Remove yourself. Yes. That being said, if you if you have to do this. If you cannot remove yourself from your sister whatsoever and you are hell bent on getting revenge on her, there's nothing wrong with anonymous reporting. Like, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, you don't have to out someone yourself. You can do that anonymously, you know? Envelope on the doorstep, that kind of thing. You know, I'm not I'm not like saying you should do this, but you can do things in a way that it doesn't point back to you. But but doing it doesn't that make you feel gross even though you do it anonymously? I don't know. Just stooping to someone else's level does not make me feel better, even if I do it anonymously. Yeah. I, I love what Liz and Gig Harbor says. Living a happy and good life is the best revenge. It's also healthier. Yo, um, you know, that's my homie, Liz and Gig Harbor. Exactly right. So 
I love to give anytime I have a chance to talk about my dad is there were some things that were happening to me back in 2015 and things that I wanted to respond to on social media. And he told me then, he says, you're going to waste more energy yes. trying to prove your side and trying to tell people this is where you stand, what you stand for and all these things. You don't have to talk about it. And going to what Liz is saying, the best thing that you can do is live good. And to that end, I will say this. I know today I got some people that are really, really mad because I have not responded and I live good. It is the best thing. So for this advice right here, it would be if you anonymously do it or if you blatantly do it, the best thing you can do is live your life. Yeah. That is the best Stay revenge. above the fray. Stay above it. I'm telling you, I, I say that today, but back then it was harder to do. Yes. But today, oh man, when you live a good life, there's some people to get mad, Nick. Well, revenge is a dish you best serve cold. And in this case, this came straight from the butcher's freezer. When it comes to family, you should always first try to heal the wounds regardless of your emotions, even if tensions are high. But to go straight from hurt feelings to possibly false accusations, now cold shoulders. We talked about backstabbers the other day. We're just adding on to the pile now. Got to stop all this evil. I would say let's just build up on our morals and release all that immaturity. Come on. Let's be better. I always see. You know, one of my favorite sayings, the truth never expires. Never expires. Can I ask you a question, though? Because generally on these type of topics, we've taken the angle of, hey, don't tell someone. It's not on you to tell someone if it's your friend. What if it is your family member? Who's being cheated on your brother or your sister? Well, you, they don't know. Would you tell them? You, 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 you know, I, I got the same philosophy. Absolutely Still? not. No. Oh, Still. I would. My messenger gets shot every time. Yeah, and in that case, I don't care if I'm shot if I'm protecting a family member. But what if they get back together? That's their that's the choice and with then, eyes wide open. And then now all of a sudden there's a strained relationship between you yeah. and, and and everyone because yeah. of that. That's on them. If they decide to hold hard feelings for getting busted, and if your family member can forgive, you can too. Ain't my business. <laughs> well, I stayed. I stay out of a lot of trouble just minding my business. All right, that was a good topic. That was fun. Let's see what the eleven o'clock hour holds for us. It will be agree to disagree. In it, what are your thoughts on mocktails? Are you cool with mocktails? Are you cool with paying the same price as a cocktail? All that and more on the Gino Show.